you are listening to Black Star Docs, a collective of female physicians of African descent coming together to share knowledge from our various medical specialties as well as from life. Listen in as we have real and relatable discussions on health, wellness, and lifestyle in a way only us ladies can do. Follow us on Instagram at Black Star Docs and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. Cheers. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode with Black Star Docs. We have our two doctors here today, myself and um, Dr. Kwia Ampadu, and we are delighted to welcome renowned chef Eric Ajapon as our guest today as we talk about nutrition and men's health. So just to give um, a quick bio about our guest today, Eric Ajapon, besides being my wonderful cousin, is a chef based in the Washington, D.C. metro area. He was a finalist on season 16 of Bravo's Top Chef, where he earned consistent acclaim from judges and popularity among viewers. As a first-generation Ghanaian-American, born and raised in New York City, the boogie down Bronx, Ajapon asserts the flavors and influences in his cooking for many of the West African dishes he grew up eating. He's passionate about introducing dinners, African cuisine, and its impact on the diaspora and the impact that it's had on South American, Latin American, Caribbean, and American food, all in his elegant, artfully plated style. Eric previously cooked in several Michelin-starred restaurants in New York after graduating with degrees in culinary arts and nutrition from Johnson & Wales, one of the country's premier culinary universities. He also holds a Master of Public Health in International Public Health Nutrition from the University of Westminster in London. And he is on this season of Bravo's Top Chef All-Stars. And currently, Mm -hmm. Chef Eric is writing two cookbooks focused on the flavors of the African diaspora. I know I'm not even doing you justice, but welcome, welcome to Black Star (laughs) Docs, Eric. (laughs) Thank you so much, cuz. Thank you, Denise and Kriya. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Yes. Thank you for coming on. Much appreciated and excited for this conversation. Yes, and I know our fellas out there are really excited, too, to have some testosterone on our podcast today, but also also to really give them good tips now that everyone is an at-home chef or wannabe chef at home with the pandemic, but um, we really want to get into how our guys out here can be healthier and how they can address that. So I'm going to dive into our first question. All right. So, Eric, besides all the wonderful things that um, our audience has already heard that you have done and are doing, tell us how you became more interested in nutrition, you know, past the level of perhaps the average chef. Yeah, definitely. Well, guys, again, again, thank you so much. I definitely think a platform like this is so needed and, and it's good to have two great voices, not only within the culture, but then obviously within the uh, the field and the science and, and and understanding those two and bridging those together. And that's really kind of what I was uh, hoping to do with, with nutrition and, and the culinary world. When you know better, you do better. And I think a little bit of that kind of uh, hit on me, just understanding how to put like a meal together, how to compose a dish, you know, how to cook properly, like, you know, mm-hmm. properly sauteing and braising and uh, roasting all these techniques that you have to learn. But aside from the food and making the dish taste good, like what is it actually doing to our bodies? What is it doing to our nourishment? What is it doing to our minds? And not only individual, but in a community, a small community, a family, 
maybe a region, a country, and so forth and so on. So I kind of just hopped into a rabbit hole, really. A lot of it was pushed by my parents. <laughs> uh, <laughs> e- I'll be e- well. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. A lot of it was pushed by my parents. Just um, They were very proud of me, you know, kind of going into the culinary field, but always encouraged me to to really maximize and really get the most out of the industry. And um, hopping into, you know, public health space and, and nutrition was uh, was it for me. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting because I find that, you know, when I look at, you know, a lot of other chefs, you know, of course not being biased, but I feel like a lot of people are just like, all right, I can cook this, I can cook this. But you really consistently have an emphasis around the nutrition piece, what it's doing to your body. And I just think that that's like a next level that I don't see a lot of, you know, other professional chefs doing out here. Yeah, thank you. I think I, I wanted to also do something. It's selfishly something that helps uh, separate me and, and kind of set me apart. There are so many chefs and amazing chefs really all throughout this country. But I think when it comes to eating smart and, and eating in a way that's only not only sustainable, and I mean sustainable by like eating local, like eating stuff that, you know, farmers around your way and your proximity actually grew and, and harvested rather than purchasing something like, you know, that came, if you're in California, that came from New York, if you're in New York, that came from California, really just supporting the people within your community and, you know, help circulating that dollar, help circulating the understanding and knowledge uh, of the food that we're eating. And that's really, that's really been a lot of fun for me throughout my career. I've been able to not only hop into like different pockets, but also different communities, a lot of them that look like me and teach as much as I can, you know, about, about healthy eating, about, selecting the right foods in the grocery stores, um, about like proper techniques for you and your family, just for the folks that just want to be a little bit more health conscious. Right, right. Oh, I love it. Just um, next level. I love it. (laughs) All right. Tell us, you lived in different countries, U.S., U.K., and Ghana, and you're speaking about the various communities that you've engaged in. Uh, What differences have you seen, if any, in the approach to cooking and nutrition in these various places that you've uh, lived in and engaged in? I think the best way to maybe delineate is like a Western world versus maybe like a third world or developing world. I think with the Western world, we're, this is a very like culinary term, but we're high on the hog. We eat meat, we eat fatty, we eat protein, we eat very like rich foods. And a lot of that was for status symbols, right? You can afford it. You can afford mm-hmm. the meat. You can afford it. And, and this is stuff that uh, through the generations that is, you know, kind of putting us in a place that we're at right now where when we look at our plate in the Western diet, it's composed of maybe like two thirds protein, one third starch, one third, like maybe even one third starch or one third vegetable, if anything, if you get a vegetable versus like a, a developing country or third world where you see maybe two thirds vegetables or grains and maybe a small third of a, a portion of protein or mm. that. And to that, like, it's just a little bit more, it's a little bit more uh, geared towards, I guess, uh, not eating as rich, um, not eating as healthy. And that ultimately, I think that aids to a better lifestyle as well. You don't get as many of those non-communicable diseases, things like high blood pressure or diet, either high blood pressure, anything that cholesterol, yeah, anything that really just kind of skyrockets those things and really becomes like, it's a ticking bomb, so to speak. So things that we really kind of continue to eat along those lines, then the long run term of your diet and your health uh, may not be as advantageous as someone who isn't eating as much. So I think that's pretty much the biggest difference. 
I've seen in living in England, I noticed the first week immediately that the drinks were less sweeter than here in America. Like the yeah. Sprites. Yeah, yeah, the sugar. Sprite and the Coke. Sugar. Yeah, it's less sugar. It's um, it's actually a different type of sugar. Some It was like a, huh. um, it was it was an alcohol. It was like aspartame or something like that. With some of the stuff, yeah, yeah. With some of the wow. drinks I had, like you might see in like Diet Cokes or stuff. But even if you just had like mm. a regular straight up Sprite versus right. an American Sprite, it's completely right. different. And yeah, those are the little things that I'd noticed, you know, just, just travel and stuff like that. But America here, we eat very, very, our diets are not the greatest. Um, we, we, <laughs> we obviously, I mean, you look at, you can look at any sort of statist, uh, statistical kind of, or diet or nutrition statistics, yeah. and you'll see that we suffer from heart disease. We suffer from, you know, diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol, all these things that we mentioned earlier. So there's yeah. definitely a lot to learn from the developing countries uh, because you almost have to cook within your means and in and of itself, that almost brings you a healthier, healthier diet, at least from what I've noticed. Right. That's so interesting to hear about the differentiation in different countries. Cause I think, especially in my world of, you know, urology where um, I really also try to stress in a men's health world, what you do to your body now pays dividends in the future. If you have high cholesterol, diabetes, um, high blood pressure, these are actually all like major risk factors for like erectile dysfunction um, mm -hmm. because you need mm -hmm. good blood vessels for those things. And um, even some of my fertility patients, you know, you'd be surprised what like a good diet, you know, just the quality of, you know, like your sperm, for example. So I think, yeah. of course, you know, women as well, you know, do stand to, um, you know, benefit from a good diet. But I think it's very um, shocking to some of my male patients when you really show them like these are real benefits and like they yeah. come in and sometimes you could catch people early to have them start making those changes but it's uh they really you know guys traditionally present to doctors later are not as in tune with their health in general you know as women so i find do, you know we're doing a lot of backtracking because of a lot of you know what you mentioned just those differences mm -hmm. so those guys hearing it out there you heard it first <laughs> from Chef Eric and myself, good diet and nutrition, it really Absolutely. is not, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. But mm -hmm. uh, to kind of piggyback off of you, Denise, Eric, what do you find are the biggest reasons why men struggle with ownership of their nutrition and diets? You know, on television, you're always seeing these commercials about weight loss or diet. It's usually the woman in the kitchen who's cooking mm. or sauteing vegetables mm -hmm. and eating a smaller plate. And then you see the man with like, the hung barbecue, hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, so what do you think is the reason why men just have, you know, difficulties or struggles with their nutrition and diet? That's, um, <laughs> that's a very tough one to answer. I think there's just so many different factors. There's a, I still think there's a, like, almost a caveman kind of approach to a lot of what we eat. We want to feel, at least for me, I don't like I'll speak personally. I mean, best best way. I I don't like eating a meal and feeling like I wasted my time. I don't. I, I hate that actually. So I I want to eat like I I really for the most part I want to eat something that that's satiating. I want to eat something that's going to hold me down. Um, and I think that was really the 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 kind of premise uh, really back in the day. You would for a man you would need to eat something very very much that's you know super heavy to hold you down. So at least you know you can have something over over lunch break, if you don't, you know, go to lunch or whatever, you can at least come back home, not completely starved. And, and I think that was really, that's kind of like the genesis to a lot of the reasons why we as men kind of eat. It's, it's, it's practice. I think it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of like subconscious 
recycling. We we do it because our fathers did it, and you know we see it, and and that's what, and we're encouraged to do it as well. You look at like the sporting uh, shows, basketball, football. They're all encouraging, like the, the ribs, like you mentioned, and you know the heavy burgers and and everything else like that. It just it really has nothing to do with masculinity. It's just really just a, a point of just really trying to, I guess, overfeed. And yeah. and excess is a really really big thing here, and it comes to food yeah. uh, specifically. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is it's more a psychological push. And but yeah, it's, it's a, I don't know. It's a really tough one. That's a really tough one to to, to answer. Yeah. And we're still just, I mean, I know, Clea, especially in, you know, your world of, you know, primary care, just always trying to find better ways for, you know, to engage men on, you know, yeah. making them feel comfortable about asking the questions, about not just leaving everything to their partners to take care of, you know, being more mm-hmm. active in their approach rather than passive. Definitely. I mean, and then I think a lot of that is really, like you mentioned, just taking ownership of what you do when you actually cook the food, when you actually shop for your food, when you are reading the back of the labels when you're, you know, just being a little bit more uh, mindful about that, just being mindful about the food that you eat and cook, then I think naturally you can kind of steer or gear yourself towards more, more healthier eating, more healthier options, just more like a healthier lifestyle all around. Right. Yes. Team healthy lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, piggybacking off of that, Eric, what do you think are some important nutrients that you think are often missing from men's diets, um, you know, since we talked about these like, you know, giant manly meals that society seems to push, but what do you find is like really missing from these diets? I think a lot of fresh wheat, I think adding in and really just replacing the heavy protein with more leafy greens, more complex carbohydrates, uh, things that are going to offer you a lot more fiber to help you kind of just continue to clear your system. I think that's really smart. So it may not sound as sexy as like, you know, some ribs or anything like that, but, (laughs) uh, but I promise you in the long run, like you mentioned, Denise, like it's going to help you and, and just living a better lifestyle. So I think upping your fiber, kind of recalibrating your macronutrients, so to speak. So you're not going so much protein. It's more uh, a healthy complex carbohydrate based carbohydrate based and you're eating more healthier fats and really working out too i mean we're talking about nutrients but really just going out and being active i think that's another huge thing that's going to help you not only increase your metabolism make you feel better you, you look better you uh, your skin is shine like all of that all of these <laughs> things are just like a, a tribute to just working out so in addition to eating right um, and putting these things in your body actually just kind of completing the whole holistic universe so to speak, and really just working out, eating right, and meditating, at least cleaning your mind, too. Right. Having that glow, that glow. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Doing good for your body, yes. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yeah, and I I think, um, you know, to your point, just I'm thinking about that holistic approach, you know, you're eating right, you know, with the foods, you're maintaining it with a good diet, you know, you really need a good, you know, a good balance of both. And, um, you know, you mentioned before just the access, you know, I think that's also um, really key for people to think about when we look at these um, and some of these cities, food deserts and, you know, what people have access to. Um, Selfishly, you know, now that I'm here in, you know, even California, there's just been such a difference in terms of the options I have and how I could change up those macronutrients, which, you know, with all of us mm-hmm. being from New York City, now that all of us have also traveled, you can see the difference, you know, in terms of the certain foods that I may be able to, you know, access in certain parts of the city versus here where I'm near all these farmers and such. And, you know, everything is just so different. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, that's really well said. I mean, again, I, I think when you can just try to be my, it's not, it's a challenge. You know, I don't want to kind of just say that even with all the knowledge that we have and, and the practice that we have, we still struggle with, with, with these things. And, you know, we, we try to put ourselves in a more healthier lifestyle and, and a more fit lifestyle, but sometimes, you know, you slip up life is life. So I think really just kind of continuously just try to put yourself in those good habits and really practice that is really going to put you in a better position. Right, right. So people out there, you know, don't let the COVID-15 hold you down. It's been a rough, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough year for a lot of us, but, you know, you can get back, get back on the horse. <laughs> so for the guys out there who are trying to remove the COVID-15 or trying to get buff, you know, we always hear about protein and the emphasis on protein, protein shakes, protein powders, this and that to kind of bulk up. In your opinion, how effective are protein supplements for men who want to, you know, have the gains? And do you think that it's okay to take protein supplements or it's it's preferred to get it from your food? Definitely from food. Yeah, if you can get it from the food, absolutely. Um, so I'll answer the second part first. But I like protein supplements. I actually use them myself right after the gym, before the gym. And I like it because it's a it's an easier form to digest protein, an easier way rather to digest protein, um, especially if I'm on the go. Um, I don't want to be like weighed down by a heavy piece of like grilled chicken or steak or whatever the case is after a workout or before a workout. Um, so I don't have, you know, eight ounce um, little thing of, you know, some protein shake uh, that's going to give me an equal amount of protein per grams or whatever the case is. And, and I feel lighter. So I like those options. And a lot of them now, especially now that we're kind of, the industry has has advanced so much, especially since I've been in like college, you have these protein shakes that are like really, really good. You know, they're very low in in carbohydrates. uh, They're high in protein and they like, they break down like the the branch chain amino uh, acids. So it's just easier forms for you to kind of, or your body at least to to break down the, the protein itself. So it's a lot easier for you to digest. Uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of them. I, I really do. I encourage, especially if you are a man looking to kind of get back in the gym and feel a lot better for yourself, or whatever the case is. Yeah, definitely. I do a uh, person that do like a post protein shake after a workout, maybe like 30 minutes after mm-hmm. I feel good. I still, I still don't feel like I'm, you know, weighed down. I can still have a light meal if I wanted to later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great option. Nice. Okay, so it's gonna be what a hot boy twenty twenty. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Why are you talking about these protein shakes going to yeah, the gym? Hot <laughs> boy summer, that's right, because it's definitely gonna be a hot girl summer here. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, well, um, fellas, you've heard it here first. You know, I think um, that is such a big question, and so many things out there, but um, nothing like you know, good hearty diet where you're getting most of these nutrients from but um you know for a lot of us on the go you know something light and um you know something easy to move around with so i'd love it mm-hmm. so you know as we're talking about you know all these different things that you know guys need to be mindful of and now with everyone uncovering their hidden talents in the kitchen and you know with with covid amongst other things what are some easy ways you can suggest to our guys out there that they can get started uh, fending for themselves so to speak in the kitchen and um you know getting started with just some basics on like yeah. doing this themselves i would honestly first start off by going to the grocery store actually getting acclimated and, and seeing your vegetables seeing the fruit in person like i think 
that right there gives you, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, it gives you a closer connection to to the food rather than maybe just ordering online or DoorDash or maybe like, you know, as convenient as it can be doing like the pickup or whatever the case is. If you have time, go in the store and look for look for something or a technique rather that that you could practice on. If you've never been in the kitchen or your your first time home cook, I would strongly suggest honestly just picking up on some really easy basics like sauteing and chopping up vegetables, things like that, making soups, like all these things that you can do at home. I, I think a great, I, perfect example really is um, chicken. Buy a whole chicken mm. from the grocery store and you can break it down into so many different pieces or you can actually eat for maybe three days or so. Uh, but then you can also use the bones, use the bones for stock, make a soup or whatever the case is. Um, and it's a very holistic, it's a, it's a great way to show you how to really just utilize the entire piece of the chicken, not only the, the, the meat itself, the skin, the carcass, like all of that, it could be utilized. Um, and you'll see how far your money will stretch. Like a, a, you know, a whole chicken may cost you $13 versus getting a pack of like drumsticks or thighs that'll cost you like $15. And you're really just getting, you know, all of, you're just going to get, you know, the the thighs and the drumsticks and, and really nothing else. And I think that whole approach is something that we always stress in, in the kitchen. But I think for me, and we're all African, we're all Ghanaian here. This is something that our parents and you know their parents did extremely well too. They didn't really throw anything much out, but you know, or no. waste too much, right? So, <laughs> and and that right there not only helps you stretch your dollar, but gives you an understanding of again your closer connection to to what you're making. So I think that whole chicken is a really great example. It's easy, or it's not as intimidating, really. Um, even if you want to just put the whole thing in the oven um, and roast it, uh, that's definitely something you can do. So just a nice way to kind of get around chicken. Hopefully, is or definitely something a protein that uh, is, is lean and and everyone can um, pretty much eat. So yeah, I would start off there and and really just you know build up. You know, look online, see recipes that you might be interested in, work on your knife skills, things like that, I think will really help you uh, just become an all around better person. And I think when you continue to do that, you'll start to see your habits change. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, nothing gone to waste. We have had mm-hmm. every part of every animal can be used for something. <laughs> <laughs> Down to the fish head. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You remember growing up for like Thanksgiving, you know, you'd have the turkey and it's like you were using that for soup in two days. Yeah. A <laughs> sandwich, like that turkey, it was laying to waste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so Eric, you're talking about, you know, how to use the entire chicken and, and all these type of things. I know that uh, one thing that you've started doing that I've seen on social media is your virtual cooking classes. Can you tell us yeah. more about this? And how folks can uh, sign up if they're interested. Thank you. Yeah, I started doing the virtual classes about this time last year. I was supposed to open up my first restaurant to the public in uh, Washington D.C. Obviously, everything happened with the the pandemic has definitely like postponed those plans. But in the middle, you know, I had to still figure out a way to kind of uh, bring some income in and and do something. And I figured to kind of teach the the dishes and the recipes that I'll be making and serving, uh, essentially, um, and just teach it. And it was a great concept. And I've been able to to do these classes and they range from like a super beginner to like, you know, advanced or media, whatever, knife skills. We, we really cover the gambit on on nutrition focused foods and, and West African focused foods. And, and it's been amazing. I've been able to to not only do Man, it started off like domestically, just a bunch of people here in the States. And then once the momentum grew, it started growing internationally. And 
I remember doing a class and there was the one from Saudi Arabia. It's a 3 p.m. It was a 3 p.m. class in, in the East Coast. And it was like 3 a.m. on her time in Saudi Arabia. And she's like making the deal. She's making the food and she's like hey. cooking. And she had, yeah, she was, it was amazing. <laughs> it was really cool to watch. And it's like, you know, she's making dinner essentially in the morning. But the, it just shows the power of the internet, but then also the power of food and people just being interested in, and, and wanting to connect. So the virtual classes has honestly been a really, really great uh, surprise and pleasure for me to do and something I hope to continue. Oh, that's that's awesome. awesome. Yes, you can. No, I'm sorry. Yes, uh, website. You can check out my website at uh, Chef Ajapong, www.chefericajapong.com. And then all the virtual classes are up there. Great. Nice. So all of our listeners who are overseas, because we have some listeners in Kenya, some in the UK and Ghana, of course. So if you're interested in learning hand to hand and I guess face to face or, or video to video with mm-hmm. uh, Eric, you should definitely check out the virtual classes. Yes, that's so exciting. Well, Equia, you know, you and I um, are going to have to definitely join a class. Lord knows, you know, you have talented fam like this. So, you know, I'm like, hey, Eric, I just have a question about this. But he's always been so <laughs> gracious about answering some of my questions, which I've always greatly appreciated. But I've seen, you know, even clips from the classes and it's just, it's so awesome, especially for a lot of our foods, you know, mm-hmm. where you may not necessarily get a good source, but you have the added advantage of, you know, in kind of that traditional way that we make a lot of our foods, but also yeah. putting your own flair and twist and health spin on it as well. For sure. Yeah. And it's been a really, uh, honestly, a lot of fun. Uh, not only, like you mentioned, cooking those West African meals and, you know, I have classes that you know, we'll do like a jollof risotto or we'll do like, um, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> or we'll do something that is, <laughs> super just self-conscious we'll do like a really nice beautiful um, especially not the, the summer uh, months are coming up a beautiful like fennel and marinated cucumber salad or anything like that really just to get people going side dishes main dishes uh, we do it all so it's a lot of fun nice nice all right so people get your cooking skills ready because you come mm-hmm. to virtual class you know we gotta be at level two it's all interactive no it's a lot of fun i don't want you to um i mean honestly any school level can come it's so funny and i i I try to make sure that i'm um, attentive so i'll be checking in like how are you and denise how's your onions how your peppers doing just making sure that you guys are like you know comfortable every single step of the way if there's any a point where uh someone feels like they're lost or behind or need to kind of slow down or whatever the case is I always encourage people just to let me know and then we'll make it happen. So it's a very inclusive, everyone finishes the meal at the same time. I ensure that. Nice. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. So even if you are a little bit a new cook or a, a modest cook or, you know, might be a little bit nervous, it's it's a lot of fun. And, and honestly, a lot of people just end up having really big blasts. And then the best compliment is people that never had West African food or never had any sort of like really interesting meal like that. And they're just so shocked that it's, it's funny the the theme or the the running joke for a lot of the classes is I didn't know that I could make something this good in my kitchen. Um, so it's just really good. It's really good for people to feel that confidence, you know? Yes. All right, guys, you heard it here first. You're trying to go home and, you know, impress people, especially if you want your hot boy summer, get in all the <laughs> classes 
<laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, you know, um, in addition to the virtual classes, I know you have some other, you know, exciting projects on the horizon, you know, besides us selfishly wanting you to take over the food network. We've, <laughs> all, we've also seen some clips of, um, you know, some work you're doing back in Ghana with um, Eastern Bistro. Um, do you have some other things or other products in store on the continent as well as what you're doing here stateside? Continent, yeah, still developing. I'll be actually, Eastern Bistro is a restaurant um, that I help open up. Um, and thank you for mentioning in the cantonments area of Accra. And it was a lot of work uh, getting it up, but we're, we're, you know, I'm very proud of the project. Um, so that's uh, that's something that's going on. I'll be in Ghana in August, uh, this August, working on uh, the photos from my cookbook. Um, so I'm really excited for that. Woo! Yeah, yeah, I, I'm Woo! writing a cookbook. <laughs> uh, two <laughs> cookbooks now, and so I'll be out there. And then back in November, I'm going to be partnering up with a really, really cool uh, organization called Outstanding in the Field. And what they do is these super, super elaborate um, and really, really long tables. Um, like imagine a very long table, probably the span of like a football field or two. <laughs> and just one long, long, long table. I um, mean, they right. do these beautiful dinners um, and they'll bring out like the aerial shots of like the drone. You can see all these people just sitting at a very long table eating Absolutely. the same meal. And it's just, it's one of the more beautiful like uh, dinner kind of scenes um, and events going on right now. And they are moving internationally. Um, they, they're going to Ghana in November. So they had asked me to come and, and, and cook the meal for them. So I'm really excited for that. That's going to be a, a lot of fun. Um, so wow. I'm looking forward to. And um, yeah, more TV. I uh, did a couple of recordings for, you said Food Network, I said a couple of recordings for Food Network and, um, <laughs> and Top Chef as well. So uh, you'll see, hopefully see my face on, on the television a little bit more this year. And yeah, just keeping my head down and working. Also the title of uh, Husband and Father, which takes a lot of time and effort. So yeah, just, just juggling everything, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, if you need any food tasters or anything like that, yeah, <laughs> at your service. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take you up with it, yeah. Nice, nice. Well, we are gonna wrap up with some uh, fun questions for you. Thank you so much. This is such a you know, great breadth of knowledge for ourselves as well as um, you know, all of our listeners. So I really hope that um, you know, everyone leaves here feeling empowered to you know, go and cook and you know, take ownership of their food and nutrition and um, you know, join you as well in the virtual space. And uh, I'm you know, excitedly awaiting your cookbook. So um, you have so many Thank great you. things going on. I'm so, so proud of you. So, so proud Thank of you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Korea, you want to start off with our fun surprise questions for Chef Eric? <laughs> yes, yes, sir. I hope you're ready for this. So Let's we started uh, a little segment in our podcast called Quick Fire, Quick Minute Questions. Questions that we're just going to ask you, fun questions, and you just have to answer with the first thing that comes on the top of your head. All right? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me grab my questions. All right, so what are you currently reading? Ooh, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Okay. Ooh. What song is on repeat in your head? <laughs> Baby Shark. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what's oh. the head of everybody with a toddler. That's hilarious. <laughs> Baby Shark is definitely... Uh, Oh, that's, hilarious. <laughs> that's so funny all right our next one is it tomato tomato or tomato hey 
<laughs> I haven't even heard that last one. <laughs> oh my goodness, tomato. <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, uh, growing up Ghana, growing up Ghana. <laughs> and then um, I think for our audience too, this is always something I feel like, you know, when your partner is a chef, uh, we're always curious, who does the cooking at home? Oh, man, I actually have a beautiful um, breakfast sandwich right in front of me that my wife made. So she knocks out the breakfast um, quite often. And nice. Probably do like, we'll probably eat something out really light for lunch and then I take dinner. <laughs> nice. Nice split. All right, guys. Mm-hmm. Well, compromise and- is key, y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually have one last question, I think, for my own personal use and hopefully for others. What are your top five seasonings to work with? Ooh, salt. That's a cheat, but I'm going to put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Garlic powder, coriander, nutmeg, mm, and... Love nutmeg. Ooh, this is a tough one. The last one, I would say curry powder. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I like, I wrote all that down. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's going on the next piece of chicken. (laughs) Great, great. Well, Eric, it was an absolute pleasure, you know, having you on our podcast. We are so grateful that you made the time to join us today. Um, As I said, so proud of everything you've accomplished and um, just being one of our, you know, premier chefs. The continent's proud of you. We are proud of you. And we are so excited for all the future, you know, directions that you're taking now. Thank you so much. I I appreciate it. And congratulations to you guys as well. Um, This is a really, really great space. And I'm happy that you guys are are being able to do it and see the uh, the void and and, and taking advantage of it as well. So thank you for having me and, uh, and best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, we are going to be stepping away now. Please look out for our next episode and um, hope you go to the kitchen with some fun ideas now that you've uh, heard this episode. (laughs) So we are over and out, Dr. Safwa J, Dr. Ampadu, and we will catch you soon. All right. Bye. Bye.